Welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we finally did it. Took some time because it's hard to get some research on these cats, but we are doing our GM interview breakdowns. We're going to go through all nine guys that are being interviewed. Going to give our preferences. But you guys have seen, we haven't tweeted no damn lists waiting for this podcast. Justin, how are you feeling post, like the Joe Judge stuff has settled down. Dave Gellman, obviously, you know, we're full on in GM search mode. I think everybody knows my favorite, um, <laughs> but uh, I feel good. I am excited. I-, I will say the Giants are really, really casting a wide net, and there is no name on this list, maybe besides one. There's no name on this list that I feel wouldn't be qualified, And but regardless, even if I feel like they're qualified, which who am I to say, but there's no name on this list where I'm like, I don't like this person. I don't like where they come from. They have a... They have a they have a resume that's like, eh, they were a part of this. Every single person, they are young, which I like the Ian O'Connor. Uh, Ian O'Connor has seemed to be on top of things recently. I recently just gave him a follow. Um, he was in the John Mara presser too. So Ian O'Connor said the Giants aren't going to be interviewing anybody under the age of 50. Like, they have listened to the fans. John Mara has kind of heard it, where he want, the fans want to get younger. Well, he wants to get younger now, too. And I, I like that. You're seeing the best teams in the National Football League. You know, maybe they're, they've been guys that have been there for a long time since GMs have been successful with those teams. But they started out young, and they still are kind of young. So let's rock and roll. Let's get young, and then guess what? These guys can be here for 10 years. We can win a couple Super Bowls, and let's rock and roll that way. I'm excited. These GMs are young, dumb, and full of uh, desire to be the best at what they do. All right. Um, so we do want I do want to talk about the John Mayer press conference uh, quickly because there really isn't too much to take of it. I mean, there honestly there was more made of the Pat Hanlon just totally botching the you know not wanting to have WFA and live stream it and all that stuff and then like the one but it's like what are we gonna say about that? But before we get into that, Justin, we got some new members of the family. We got Luca, Luca gonna juke ya. You know the Bill Basket, the Book of Basketball podcast by Bill Simmons. The 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 intro song by his his son is pretty catchy. Oh, we got Jay Berman. Um, speaking of of ESPN, former ESPN employees, yeah, that's actually Chris Berman's Chris? son. Yeah, no, it's his son. Oh, okay, um, sixty nine over par. That's not your real name, Aaron Gershon. I don't think I've ever seen the last name Gershon. Jackson Dunn, which reminds me of uh, Jackass Forever that's coming out late. Uh, Brooks and Dunn. Nah, Ryan Dunn. You know, that red dirt road. Chris, For- Chris For- Forcini. I'm pre- yes, Forcini. It's mm-hmm. definitely Forcini. And then Brad Hayward, who is a mix between Brad Stevens and Gordon Hayward and the wow. basketball duo of those two. Justin, who are these basketball duos? Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Bobby sends you a message. <clears throat> you get some stickers. You get entered into a raffle twice a month for some shirts. You get to hang out with us live while we record the shows. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. And you also get to sponsor an episode, which is kind of cool. Thank you to our patrons. Let's talk about the Giants. 
the John Mayer presser, the only takeaway I had was one good, like, we uh, make fun of the media on, on this show a lot, <clears throat> but I thought for the most part they did pretty good, especially with the limitations they had with the, you know, the one, no follow-ups and one question type things. And I think Duggan set it up good with a Jordan run on coming in with like the knockout with like, hey, what do you say to, you know, the involvement of your uh, your brother Chris and, you know, Tim Tim McDonald, you know, more so Chris because he's in the GM meetings. He is college scout. And he's like, that's, uh, you know, that's ludicrous that he's in here, you know, running the show. He, you know, he runs the draft stuff, blah, blah, blah. He get, he puts stuff in our scouting uh, system and, and then says, uh, but know, he has no that, authority. That that was the key line that, yeah, he, he looks at some players. He gives his input. John Mara says, I value his input on certain players and I'll ask him his opinion, but he has no authority, which I, again, like people are defending and I've gone back and forth. I really had a, I really had a kind of an angry morning where some people were defending Chris Mara and were like, well, well, he's an owner. What do you expect? But the question, the question still looms. Well, what does he do? So if he doesn't have authority and if he's just there, like basically I could do what Chris Mara does. Anybody could do what Chris Mara does. Danny King could do what Chris Mara does, which is just sit on a computer, watch football players. Hey, John, I, I, I like Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. Okay, Chris, thanks for your input, bud. And like that, that's that's what happens, but he has no authority. Like, come on. He's the third one listed on the website. We've talked about this over and over He's again. He's in on the GM candidate meetings. Of he course has. he has to have some kind of authority. Of well, course. No, here's what it is, is he doesn't have official authority. Like it does come down to the GM head coach. No one I never I don't think anyone I'm sure a few people, but for the most part, no one debated that like Chris Mayer was making the picks on draft day. What we've always said though is that because he's in on those GM meetings and because he's, you know, family and can't be fired, is that when he's giving his opinion, people aren't going to be as honest if they disagree with him. Right. Because he's part of that and he can't be fired, you know. And, 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 and Renan, you know, Jordan uh, asked a good follow up. He's like, well, you can say that he's, you know, it, it doesn't carry more weight, but he's like, it does. Like, that's what happens when you work with, you know, you have a family member who is, you know, the brother of the owner of the team, you like the brother of the boss. Like, but it's just like it's either John Mayer just doesn't understand the idea of what nepotism in the workplace does, or he's pretending he doesn't. But I, him blaming the media and stuff, it's like, well, the guy, like you said, he's like the third guy on the website. He's been here forever, and like, if the pro, you know, if our our senior VP of of player personnel was, I don't know, like Jerry Reese, would he still be here? No, because you're because his last name is Mara. He's, he can literally never be gone, which Mara has said before. Yeah, we've uh, we've beaten the dead horse on it, but it, it's just a bad look for Mara. It's just a bad look for Mara. And he gets, I mean, if if you want to hear the tone of, of what he was saying, I mean, my, my one of my biggest things is he immediately got more testy and aggressive with, with the media. And like you said, blaming these outside external sources, which also are the fans, by the way, because it's not, it's not just the media members. I honestly think... It was the fans that kept on insisting media members, you have to ask this question. What do these people do? You don't know. You have to ask the owner. What do these people do? So John Merritt didn't just throw it at the media. I thought he threw it at the fans. And in the same press conference and in the same offseason, which he's trying to get the fans' trust back, didn't live stream the press conference. And 
was aggressive and passive aggressive about answering questions about his family. Not exactly the way that you're going to earn trust back. And that's and it's like yeah, he got defensive because of his family. It's like that's why. That's why it's a problem. Ex- <laughs> it's you know we're not running, you know we're not running uh, you know a tree service here. This is yeah. a very extremely results based business where look, you just had to fire a head coach after two years three three times in a row. Yeah. When, if those when guys' roster, last name is Mara, do they get fired? No. So he had to fire those head coaches when roster management and upper management was more or less the problem and not necessarily the coaching was the sole problem. Yeah, so no one's like in here saying that like Dave, like Dave Gelman's wanting to make picks or Joe Judge wanted to make picks or Sherman wanted to make picks and Chris, Chris Mara was vetoing it. It's like no one, no one's no one's saying that. It's just that like he has more influence than what he should have. Yeah. Um, but anyways, is there anything else from the presser? I mean, the only like real soundbite that like there are some sound bites of like, yeah, this is the lowest, but like, who cares? You know, what do we, who cares? The only other thing I th- I think he said is he didn't, he truly didn't want to fire Joe judge. Like he felt bad about the way that things went down yep. and judge being tied. He's like, I, you know, I still feel there's a good coach inside of Joe judge. Um, but he, he, he was smart in saying he's like, we just could it was too, this is too bad to not blow up. Like, yeah. and that was actually a very smart answer by John. Like, this is way too bad to not blow up and start over. Yeah. Didn't see a good end. Just didn't see a reality where that team with Joe judge would, would work. And it's not necessarily like, well, you know, like we've always said in light, like a lot of people think it's not necessarily solely Joe judge's fault. It's just, this is the right thing to do. If you're going to bring in a GM, that is young, that is very, very qualified, and he did also admit about the GM search in 2018 about he wished that he looked at more names, and that's a regret that he has. So if you are going to be doing your due diligence this time around with the GM search, let the guy run, coordinate, plan his own head co- head coach search, and you go from there. All right, so should I read an ad? Yeah, let's get let's, let's get an ad out of the way, yeah. Well, it's an optional intro, but I'm going to read it. The NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. I'm not talking about a little offer, guys. I'm talking about a huge offer. Countdown to Super Bowl 56. New customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wild card team to win their game. Bet just $5 on any 208 uh, and win... 280 and free bets. Oh, there you go. If your you team go is again. victorious, why do we feel the need to spell out uh, numbers? Just put the numbers, especially when you put it all in capital letters. It just throws you off. I think it's helpful, actually. Well, you're not the one reading the ad. <laughs> Uh, bet the 49ers are going to beat the Cowboys. That's wow. right. Bet just $5 on any NFL playoff game, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give new customers an additional $280 in free bets. If the team they choose win- wins their game, if. If if the team they choose wins their games. Just normal sentences are fine, DraftKings. If Sportsbook isn't available in your states yet, you will have you'll have something to play for this wild card weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Deposit the whole deposit the whole. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 free bets and your team wins. That's promo code JOHNBOY at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. I think I found out why you're not going to the Orlando Magic Suite because you can't read the DraftKings ads right. 
No, I it's just happened recently because they're not giving send me send send me. I will do a lot better job on these ad reads if you send me to the Orlando Magic game. Okay, great. GM candidates. All right, we're gonna try and go. We'll give our rankings on of it personally. You know, maybe not like one through nine, but at least the top guys. And Justin, is our number ones ranked the same? Do you want to start at the bottom? Or do you want to start no, at the top? No, we're starting at the top. No one wants to hear about the worst ones first. This isn't like a countdown article. Like this is people we want people to listen for the next forty minutes. Okay, then yeah, I think both of our favorites is on the count of three. One, two, three, Joe Shane. Joe Shane. Yep. Joe Shane, Bill's assistant GM. Forty two years old. Uh, <clears throat> started out with the Panthers in 2001, was a scouting assistant, went to a, t- and 2002 became a combine scout, like really started at the bottom. And then 2003 to 2007 was an area, area scout. Bam. Well, guess what happens after that? Old Jeff Ireland and Bill Parcells, the big tuna became, goes to the Dolphins, becomes a national scout from 2008 to 2012. Is their assistant college director in 2013. And then their director of player personnel, which is a big role. Like, like a lot of guys on this list have that role, 2014 to 16. And uh, <clears throat> and Brandon Bean, when he goes over to Buffalo, says, I work with this guy. He's smart, he's bright, and he's, he's been the assistant GM since uh, Brandon Bean joined Buffalo in 2017. Justin, I know you've done a ton of info on this guy. Tell me, without going on a 10-minute spiel, why you love him. He's one of two candidates on this list who is an assistant GM. Now, there's some people on this list that you can argue, well, there isn't an assistant GM technically in the building for for some of these teams, and you can make an argument that they're like the assistant to the general manager, like Adrian Wilson is one of them. Um, you know, there's there's a couple other guys that you can argue, well, they're pretty much the assistant to the general manager. Um, one of the guys that works for Tennessee, you can make an argument for two. But Joe Shane, I think, has the most experience running an operation or helping run an operation with Brandon Bean. And I think Buffalo, they've run a very, very sound operation as kind of the years have gone on and they've been very consistent. And really the most significant thing about Shane and what him and him and Brandon Bean did together, Shane talks about, and he reflects on when they got to Buffalo, they didn't have a scouting department. They didn't have an analytics department. They had to build their process and their program from the ground up. They didn't have anything in place. What are we looking for the Giants to do, whether it's this offseason or maybe as kind of the years go on? Because maybe you can't blow up the entire operation this offseason because they already started their draft prep, et cetera, et cetera. But we're looking for people to get out of the building that have been in here for a long time. Odds are it's people that we don't even know their names that have been here for a long time, like scouts and Chris Pettit is one of those guys who's seems like a scummy guy. He was a nice guy when he was a lower level guy. Then he works up to being the head of pro scouting. And then he's been scummy and sucking up to John Mayer ever since that's been the reports. Joe Shane has hopefully the connections with all of the places that he's been Carolina, Miami, Buffalo, hopefully has the connections of people. He has the experience of building up those programs from the ground up. And I don't know if the rest of these candidates can say that they have the experience of building something from the ground up. And that is why he is my number one guy. Yeah, team building. And here's something that I like about just him, how he must stuck out. 
you know, he didn't work with Brandon Bean for eight years. And the last time that Brandon yeah. Bean worked with him, he was an area scout. You know, and we know that, you know, there's family nepotism. There's like a, there's also a, a favoritism for guys you work with. And yeah, he worked with them, but, but there was eight year difference between them working together and Brandon Bean taking the Buffalo job. And again, the last time that was an area scout, which is a, is a you know, it's not a, the lowest level, but it's, it's not a, it's not a huge role. And it's like Steven Verderoso is, is basically what, what that was. Yeah. And he brought him in as his assistant GM. And not only as the assistant GM, like you said, they did that together in Buffalo, like very much so, you know, and, uh, and and Joe Shane has talked about. It. He's like, I do a lot of stuff that I just know that like Brandon Bean doesn't need to like deal with that yes. type of stuff. Which, and from the Brandon Bean point of view, that's got to be hard to do to trust someone to you know to do all those things. You know, because you don't get to that top level by not wanting to have your hands on everything and control things. Like so, to be able to have that type of trust. But the things and we're the things that we're going to talk about with a lot of these guys is scouting and stuff. And we didn't really even talk about that with any of these guys. But I think these guys are good scouts. Look at what Buffalo has done with that team. Yeah. Uh, the way they do it together. Where if they have a disagreement, it's like, okay, let's watch the game. Let's watch a couple of games of film together and see what we're seeing. See what we're disagreeing. It's our board. I think uh, I think that's where there's a quote for one of these candidates. I'm pretty sure it's Shane. It's not my board. It's our board. And that, yeah, that's, that's, that's one of his quotes. And here's the thing that I like the most. Because we're going to talk about guys I like. But it's not based on scheme. Scheme matters, but they draft versatile players. Yes. That's what's so huge for me for Joe Shane. Like, yes, would I love to have Kyle Shanahan's offense? Yeah, that would be fun. But I love the versatility. And scheme. Like, name a Buffalo Bills player who doesn't fit on another team. Yeah. Like, we can do – we can – every single, like, one of these guys, you know, there's something, like, whether it's from the Ravens or the 49ers, maybe maybe not the Chiefs as much, uh, but – like it's versatility and scheme, you know, basically saying like, "Hey, coaches leave, but so you could you need to draft players who can fit every type of." Coach and that's what Parcells. Part. That's what Parcells. He he when he was answering a question about that in, in an article, I guess we both read the same article. Parcells said, "Coach, you know this is this is a come and go league," and I would say the most starch difference between Adam Peters, Joe or- Hortiz, which Hortiz hasn't necessarily said this. But we talked about how Wink Martindale and the Ravens defense has a type, has a type of player. That is not the case for Joe Shane, where I can feel some of these other guys, they have a type of player, and maybe they rely on very, very good communication between solid coaching and good coaching candidates to how are they going to decide, how is the front office going to decide what player they draft. I don't feel Joe Shane relies on that really good coaching information and feedback because you look at Baltimore, they have Harbaugh. You look at Fort San Francisco, they have Shanahan. We'll talk about that. You know, Sean McDermott, quality, great, solid head coach in the National Football League, and I'm sure they have good communication between the staff, but Shane did value versatility because a coordinator can come, can go, and if you're a successful football team, that's what happens. You do have coordinators that come and go. It's not like the Giants where hopefully you know, you're know you firing your coaches and you're firing your coordinators every two years, but good football teams have their coordinators come and go, so you do need football players that can be versatile, fit multiple schemes, and then fit whatever whoever wants to come in and run a whatever kind of scheme. And look at what they've done with this, and look at their cap situation. Yes. They've been very they, they've been able huge. to manage the cap extremely well while being a Super Bowl contender, building it through the draft, which I think is a theme for 
almost all of these guys, except for maybe the Cardinals guys, is that this their teams are truly built through the draft. Yeah, absolutely. And taking a risk on a guy like Josh Allen, trading up and getting a guy like Josh Allen, and that's a that's a theme that I like, but from the uh, the Chiefs and and the Ravens that they took chances on their QBs. Like those three guys, those three teams took chances on their QBs. Trading up for Patrick Mahomes was no slam dunk. Let's not go and be you know use revisionist history. He was the third quarterback taking that draft, and no one was shocked when it happened. You know, Lamar Jackson, you know, people didn't even think he could play quarterback. And the guy won a league MVP under the – so we'll talk about those guys. But quarterback and how – and I've changed my stance on the Russell Wilson thing where I'm out on it. I'm out. We got to draft a QB and get it right. You can't, you, can't, you can't treat the QB situation like a pussy. And I kind of view Russell Wilson as that. You know, if he was five years younger, it's different. But I – I kind of view that as like, well, we really want to franchise QB and I want to get it right. So we're going to trade it. Like, so being willing to go out and get a QB and it not even be the most popular decision as well. That's that like speaks of guys believing in what they're doing. Yeah. You talked about navigating the cap. Um, Joe Shane has talked about time and time again about he's been on certain teams that have spent their cap space recklessly. Cough, cough, the Giants this past offseason. Cough, cough, the Giants in 2016. They've spent it recklessly, and it's come back to bite them in the ass. And he said that that's not something that he wants to do or that's not a situation that the Bills want to find themselves in. But now the Bills are, you know, the Bills aren't, you know, the Bills aren't the Giants, but they're cap space. But the Bills are a little bit of tight because they've now, they've extended Josh Allen. I think Stefan Diggs, I think he's on a, he's on a big contract too. Yeah. And that was an aggressive trade that worked out. I mean, you know, we're going to we're gonna be talking about a team like Tennessee. They had an ag- somewhat of an aggressive trade trading for Julio Jones. Didn't necessarily work out this year, but that trade for Stephon Diggs, holy cow, did that work out for them. So I really am into Joe Shane. It's something that I have hinted out on the seems podcast. seems the best all around. Yes, yeah, something that I hinted out on a podcast and something I said on a live stream is that the Giants and Joe Shane, they have been talking for a couple months, little 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 source game. But, I mean, I think that's been broken anyway. They've been talking for a couple months. There's probably other candidates that the Giants have been talking to for a couple months, but I don't think it's a coincidence that, number one, they have been talking kind of informally, and then, number two, he was the first interview that was going... The first interview that happened and the first request for an interview that the Giants put in, at least that was broken to the public. Don't think that's a coincidence. Anything else on Joe Shane, our number one guy? Nope, he's my favorite, and I also do think he will get the job. Okay, I think yeah, I do. I do. I think he's gonna get the job too. I'm pretty sure our number two is gonna be different. So who's your number two? And we'll see who, which one the people want to hear more about. I kind of made a last minute change off of this. Now, don't get me wrong. We're gonna talk about three guys, the three top guys that we're gonna spend the most time on. I would be thrilled, and Four. I'm gonna be happy with any one of them. Four. Four. There's three main guys for me. I really don't have four. Four. Um. Who's, who's the fourth? Just say who your number two is. Joe Ortiz. Really? Okay. Let's talk last about minute, him. Last minute change. Director of player personnel for the Baltimore Ravens, 46 years old. Twenty like He's a Ravens lifer. 24 seasons with the Ravens. Started as a regional scout in 98. I love having that 1990. Like I could just say 98 uh, again. So how about that? It just felt good to see that 1990 uh, symbol. Then became a national scout from 06 to 08, and then a director of college scouting uh, for nine years to 2018. And then when uh, Ozzie Newsome 
stepped down from GM and took a more of behind-the-scenes role, became the director of player personnel for the Ravens. Um, well, he's your number two, so I'm going to let you go off because he's not my number two. Okay. This was a last-minute change, and I really could go back and forth. The other guy was number two, like, five hours ago. But <laughs> So here's why um, Ortiz is my number two. Way more experience. Way, way more experience. And the way that he talks about football, very, very personable, first of all. Like, if he's hired as GM, the, the amount of content that you as a fan, as a Giants fan, are going to have to, you know, if you want to go and listen to about previous interviews, previous podcasts, he basically, I almost feel like he pseudo is, again, like another guy that can be like counted as an assistant GM where he's just so available and he's so readily available to the media and he's the one that's talking about draft prospects after the draft. So apparently he was a guy that really pushed for Lamar Jackson. My only trepidation is everyone in the building, they are almost Ravens lifers, where they've been in the building for 20, 30 years. Except but they've been doing it good for life, though, except, too. Except, like I, like I said, except compared to the Giants, they are proven winners with sustained success. Giants, there are some people in the building that have won Super Bowls, but they haven't had sustained success. But people in the building for the Ravens, they've won Super Bowls, they've been to Super Bowls, and they have sustained success. That's the difference between the Ravens and the Giants. But when Ortiz is leaving the building, will he be able to succeed? And does he have the connections outside of the Ravens building to bring it over to the Giants and not working with the same people that he's been working for 20 plus years? That's my only trepidation. And I have him as number two because of how highly qualified and how highly spoken of he is around league circles. I have him as four. <clears throat> Four, which is good because I, I mean, I love my top. Any of the top four, I'm thrilled about. Hell, even the fifth one, I, uh, <clears throat> I was like, man, this guy might be the sneaky, like one of the best ones. Uh, but the Ravens just get the draft consistently right, and they're so ahead of the game on analytics. And yeah, you know, we talk about their Ravens defense being a tight, but their offense isn't. Their offense has been the most no. adaptable offense that we've seen in the last ten years because yeah, they went from Joe Flacco yeah. to Lamar Jackson. Yep. And they did that mid-season, and then obviously they bring Roman in and, you know, really transform it. So, like, they seem to be really into positional value. Um, they are adding offense alignment consistently in the draft where they can fleece us for a Ben Bredesen trade. He's probably going to regret that if he comes to the Giants. Um, and, again, he's, he's rooted in draft scouting, and they've gotten the drafts right. Um, you know, looking at depth. Like, that's something I love about the Ravens is they take depth serious at their most important position, which is O-line, edge, you know, inside linebacker. Yeah, how many injuries that they have at the start of this year? And they, at least at the, at least at the beginning State of the afloat. year, at the beginning of the year and the start of the year, you know, they were, they didn't necessarily miss a beat. Yeah. You, t you were saying earlier about like dispelling, uh, you know, like the combos, like, you know, like guys being paired together. I would be a little worried about Wink. Um. I just don't know if he's going to be a head coach, and I don't, I don't know if his defense think, would translate. Now, here's to, the thing. I don't think – I think people need to stop and stop being so married to – it could be true. I don't know. But if Joe Shane's hired, Brian Dabble's going to come. If Hortiz is hired, then it's going to be Wink Martindale as the head coach. I'm, I'm not married to the idea. I don't think that happens – Super often in the National Football League when GMs are hired that they're going to bring whatever coordinator that they have as head coach. I think these guys are open to working with somebody different and somebody who is maybe more qualified than one of those than one of those coordinators. 
So that was one of the negative points. And like you said, you make, you make a really good point with that. Here's the other one. Since Ozzie News, Ozzie Newsom stepped down, which was 2018 was his last draft to Lamar Jackson. Now you, you said he uh, really wanted Lamar Jackson. So credit to him for that. Ravens drafts haven't been amazing the three years since. Like you go 2019, 20, not, not saying there's not some good players in there, but they haven't had the slam dunk picks that they were getting with Ozzie Newsom. You know, some good players in there, but they just haven't had the slam dunk ones. Um, so that does worry me a little bit. That's why he's like lower than, uh, you know, Adam Peters and, and and another guy for me. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, I, I understand you with the like worrying of like how much is he a product of the Ravens, but like, he, I mean, he seems real deal, and he's rooted in, in, in drafting and scouting, and like you said, he's personable, so he should be able to run it, you know, the day-to-day type stuff, and be, as far as a GM-wise, like, they, the Ravens aren't overspending in free agency or anything. No. In fact, they're the ones that let guys go. Like, all right, Matthew Dudon, you, you can roll. You yeah, know, they're we'll, edge rushers especially, yeah. You know, so, yeah, uh, he is number four for me, and now I'm like, what, four? It's like, I just, I, I love my top four. I love my top four. Yeah. I want to I want to say a quote about how they use analytics. Now I think all these I'm pretty sure that these top three guys that I'm going to talk about they all do use analytics. There's always been certain references of them using analytics and and if it's a quote where they say I use it or if it's hey here's an instance in football in real practice of how I use it. So here's what he said: We have a way of using it all together, and our analytics guys do a great job of working on their end, and our scouts. Obviously, assess the speed category in their eyes. I guess he was talking about whether he likes loves talking about edge rushers. It kind of works together. Sometimes you have disconnects and sometimes you have the marriages, but it's great when you see it with your eyes and the data backs it up. And one of the things that um, Hortiz talks about in some other quotes about analytics, too, is it's a tool. It's a tool. It is not black or white. It is not if the numbers say it, we do it. It is a tool where the analytics department, they're going to do the work on their end. And if you're talking about you know scouting, they're going to do the work on their end about how they see players and how they evaluate players. And then the film people are going to come together, give their thoughts, give their observations. And if they can marry the two, which actually, you know, humble brag, when I do my stat reports, that's exactly how I approach my stat reports every single week. I approach my stat reports by saying, I don't want to... I don't want to present information that's like, oh, look at the numbers say this and you're wrong. I want to present information that backs up the eye test. And Joe and Joe Ortiz basically operates the same way within his football operations with marrying analytics with the eye test and what the football people are seeing. And I love that. And I think that's exactly the way you should be using analytics. Word. Word up, bro. We love the analytics around here. Even though I love seeing the analytics. I love seeing Brandon Staley screw up fourth downs and just people going nuts. Um, number two on my list. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe there's guys that are more qualified than this guy, <clears throat> more experienced than this guy. But I love Ryan Poles of the Kansas City Chiefs, assistant director of player personnel. He's number for the two? Chiefs. I love this guy. Wow. I don't, maybe it's my offensive line bias, but I really like this guy. Like, I've listened to interviews with him. He just seems like he gets it. You know, played offensive tackle at, at Boston College, so he's an offensive lineman. Uh, with the Chiefs, he was a college scouting uh, administrator from 2010 to 12, then was their college scouting coordinator from 2013 to 16, director of college scouting 2017, and then he's been their assistant director of player personnel ever since then. I mean, I kind of just love the way the Chiefs do things. Like, yeah, does is Andy Reid a great coach too? But that... Kansas City Chiefs roster is player or team is player driven. Like they're good because of the players on that team. Now he's young. 
He's not very seasoned. He's, he's only 36. 36 years old. Yeah. And like I said, he's only been doing this for 11 years, so it'd be a swing. But I just like the way he finds offense. You know, they find offense alignment. You know, Trey Smith last year, Creed Humphrey. You know, uh, you know, Creed, Creed Humphrey wasn't a, a slam dunk, and and they ended up grabbing him, Lucas Niang. And he's also been through three different regimes with Kansas City. I stole yep. that bullet point from you. I'm sorry, but I love the guy. Um, and Renan said in his article that he's going to be more of that CEO type than just a scout. You know, when I and and I I really do think that's important of running this team, not drafting players, but just running this team as a whole. And I think this guy can get people in the right place, find the right coaches. And again, versatility is a trait of Kansas City too. Like they don't have like there. There's not a when people say like type Kansas City, they're like, oh, really fast players who are, are good. It's like, well, those guys fit in most schemes. The Chiefs are just do a best a really good job of getting them space. But yeah. it's not like a, you know, even in their run game, it's not you know they run a lot of zone, but they can they pull guys. They do they, they run gap stuff, so they're yeah. they're versatile. And their defense is uh, it's gotten better throughout the year. You know, and Spagnuolo's got his type, but like they got some good players over there. So I I really like this guy. It's a swing. You know, he's not he's not the most qualified. Like out of the top four, he's the least qualified to me. But I just really like this guy. And I, I maybe I'm going too much off of a feel and offensive line bias, but I really like Ryan Poles. No, I love it. I I love it. Um, Poles is also interviewing for the Vikings job as of right now. He was a finalist for the GM job in Carolina this uh, last off season. He interviewed twice and was considered a strong candidate. Um, I mean, like he was said, a finalist at 35 years old. Yeah, yeah, which is which is which is kind of crazy. So you you gave the Jordan Ron on um you know, point where he put in his article that he would be the CEO type. But along with being that CEO type, he would try to bring a much more analytical and progressive approach, which I really do like. I am interested, Bobby, not going to lie. It would pique my interest to see a former offensive lineman's mind that also comes from the brain of how the Kansas City Chiefs operate of everything is go, go, go. Pass, pass, pass. And then also on defense, I mean, Steve Spaggs, he's a he's an aggressive defense coordinator that likes to bring the blitz. So still, the mentality is go, go, go. That's what I feel like that football team is. Explosive, explosive, explosive. Go, 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 go. Obviously, you need uh, obviously you need a quarterback to do that. But I would be, not going to lie, it peaks well, my interest. The Chiefs went and got theirs when they had Alex Smith still a quarterback. So it's not like they're, uh, yeah. you know, they're pussyfooting around. They lucked into Patrick Mahomes. They had Alex Smith. And I think his he started as director of college scouting in 2017, and the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes in 2017. So, you know, cor- correlation, causation. All the credit for Patrick Mahomes. That's why he's my number two. <laughs> there you go. So that does entice me. If the Giants do pull the trigger and if they make that move, that's going to be the first thing that I really talk about and the first thing that I'm going to think about. And the thing I'll get excited over is offensive line mentality, which we definitely do need, and also – Giants fans, this is going to be one of the things that I'm going to be talking about during the draft cycle. There are more picks that you can address the offensive line in outside of round one. Everybody wants to double up on offensive line in round one this year, and the Chiefs are the best, uh, really the best evidence of that doing that this year. Creed Humphrey in the third round, and then Trey Smith in the sixth round. They're like two of the rookies that have played the most snaps in the National Football League this year. Creed Humphrey is one of the best centers in the league already, and Trey Smith has been a decent guard for them in the sixth round. So there are more picks in the NFL draft that we can acknowledge offensive line outside of that tackle spot in that first round. And this guy has seemed to have some sort of input in doing that for the Chiefs. All right, so number three on your list is number four on my list, right? Adam Peters from the 49ers? Yes. Adam Peters. This is the guy I think the mo- most people like 
are in love with. I think most people are like, I like Joe Shane, probably the best one from the job, but people are, he has the most like, Fan like you know how during the draft process, it's like, you know, it was like offensive lineman, wide receiver, and then there was like a, a crowd of like, Micah Parsons, or I will lose it on this team. That's yeah. why I compare it to the Adam Peter fan club, and I get it. I really get it. The assistant GM for the 49ers. He is so. the most exciting. Yes, like he without a doubt. Is. 39 years old, and here's why he's the most exciting. He's basically running the show with the 49ers. Like, he is, like, r- like running, you know, he's behind the curtains of John Lynch over there. And the 49ers fans, when they heard he was interviewing, you know, were screaming and kicking, Ryan. can't lose this guy. <laughs> was with the Broncos as a regional scout from 09 to 2010, national scout from 11 to 13, assistant director of college scouting from 2014 to 15, and then director of college scouting in, in 2017. And then the 49ers, uh, he, brought over, he got brought over with John Lynch, uh, vice president of player personnel. He's deeply rooted in the draft. Like, if there's a draft guy on all these lists, it is Adam Peters. Like, he has his guys. He bangs on the table for them. He's like, this is, this is why we picked this guy. He is just, he is the most rooted in the draft and, like, and like the my guy type of guy, which kind of scares me a little bit and might be why he's at four on my list. The story that kind of sticks out to me the most is the George Kittle story. So... Peters was with the Denver Broncos and kind of he's kind of gotten a share of credit for picking players like Malik Jackson, Von Miller, CJ Anderson over there. Can I stop you? I don't give him credit for picking Von Miller. I give anyone with a fucking brain for picking Von Miller. But anyways, right, well, he, he gets a he, he gets a share of credit for it per per the athletic. Um, but then he was with the Denver Broncos preparing for the draft. And then he's brought on to San Francisco with John Lynch. He was actually sitting with John Lynch at a at a production meeting during a during a playoff game, and John Lynch was a was a broad he was an analyst for I think Fox at the time, and uh, he got Peters to sit next to him and they had a conversation. And John Lynch is like, "I like you. When I'm going to take a front office job, I'm bringing you with me." So, at the first draft, they took Kittle in the fifth round, but because of how clear Kyle Shanahan was about what they're looking for out of a tight end, where tight end one is going to fit this mold, tight end two is going to fit this mold of one receiving tight end, one blocking tight end, et cetera, et cetera. That's the mold that Kyle Shanahan's looking for. So with that being said, Peters bumped up George Kittle's grade based off of what Shanahan's vision was, bumped his grade up to a third round grade. They knew they were going to get him in the fifth round, so they took him in the fifth round, and lo and behold, George Kittle is one of the, you know, the the best biggest superstars in the NFL and he's breaking NFL records left and right. And he's I mean the 49ers do credit. things good. I lo- I love I like the 49ers. I really do. I, I wish they have a Jimmy G problem. Um but at the same time it's like I don't know if we're bringing Kyle Shanahan over with us. You know, and, and right. I have a lot of respect for uh, Kyle Shanahan and I know there's um, you know, the uh the OC, the nerd. Like you might bring him over McDaniel, but Daniel, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the scheme stuff scares me because that stuff's hard and that does change the way you draft. Like I've been saying, like, I'm probably not going to take Tyler Linderbaum at seven. If we bring him over and we run, we're for like, not just want to run some outside zone, like married to the outside zone scheme, which is what the 49ers are. It's like, okay, then maybe we take Tyler Linderbaum over someone who maybe is a, just a better football player. Yeah. Um, now what I love about him the most is the late round hits that he gets. Like he hits all in the late rounds like crazy. And you know, that's like my favorite part of the draft. He hits on those late round guys, and that's Fred where teams Warner. are built. Yeah, Fred Warner. Let me let me name you the superstars from 2017 to 2019. There were four bona fide superstars that were taken. Not all of them in the late in the late draft. 
Yes, 2017, it was George Kittle, the fifth round. 2018, it was Fred Warner in the third round, because that was the B.J. Hill draft. And then 2019, you have Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel that will that were taken early in the draft. And those four guys are like bona fide superstars. Damn. Here's the thing that scares me the most about him. Quarterback. He wants to trade up and get his guy. Like, And he when, banged and, on the table for Trey Lance. And they and, did trade up to get him, right? Yeah, which I kind of view as a little bit questionable. Uh, they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, which is definitely questionable. And here's the worst one is that like when he came over to the 49ers in one of his first interviews, you know what he was bragging about? Paxton Lynch? Trade not only Paxton Lynch, but ignoring the trade chart to trade up for Paxton Lynch and yeah. just being like sometimes you, you gotta ignore it for for a guy. It's like, man, you shouldn't even if you like Paxton Lynch and you wanted to draft him, I don't know if you ignore the draft chart for Paxton that's, Lynch. That's uh that's something that I feel like Gettleman would get criticized over. Yeah. Yeah, it's the stuff, and that, and that, all, not only do you trade up for a back QB, you know, you know, you don't want to trade down because you're like, this is my guy. You know, I want Ambry Thomas yep. so bad, even though I'm Which getting offered all this. That stuff. was a Dave Gettleman problem that he had his guy and he banged on the table. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and this may be some like Dave Gettleman aftershock, is which is why I have him as four, even though he would get me the second most excited after Joe Shane, even though I do have him as as fourth. So, and also again, another question that I have. And again, this is this is no shot to any of these guys, but can you run an operation? There is more to being a GM. Dave Gettleman taught us there is more to being a GM than just being a talent evaluator. Can you manage a building? Can you manage a program? Can you manage an operation? Can you manage a franchise? And it's not saying no. I think Adam, sure, Adam Peters can do it. I think one day he will be a fantastic GM. But can he do that for the Giants? I, I I don't know, and I'm more confident in in like Joe Shane's ability to do that. Let's say so. That's my question with him. So, is your number four Ryan Poles? Yes, yes, it is. Okay, so we don't need to talk about him again. So I wanted to preface this conversation with it, but I feel like it's a good part. Is that there's not a ton of information on these guys. There's not. There's really not a ton of information on these guys. Um. So, and, you know, and they're not the ones making the official decision. So it's a lot of guessing and, you know, seeing you're who you're associated with some stuff. So, like, the, the coaching search, I'll be very like, this is what my guy is. And here's my number two. And here's why. This one's a lot of guessing. And I think as we get into the last five guys, it's even more so. Because these first four, I think me and you did a ton of research on. The last five did a little less. But also, there might be a lot less on some of these guys. All right, Justin, do it. Do the damn ad. Okay. So we got to talk about go Manscaped. Fire through these cats after. We have to talk about Manscaped, and then we'll get to some more GM candidates. There's nothing like the NFL playoffs. Move over, Bills Mafia, because we're taking your assistant general manager. It's time for Balls Mafia with our sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. They are here to remind you that the recipe for success in the playoffs is to protect your franchise's quarter balls. That is so true. Protect your quarter balls. And project your quarterback. Those are two things that we have to do this offseason. The road to the Super Bowl is never easy, but the road to your Super Bowls is a few click is a few are a few clicks away. Take the Lambo leap and join the Phil four million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our executive offer, exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code Giants for twenty percent off plus free shipping. I think a Lambo leap is actually somewhat like anxious like it's some it gives me anxiety because I'm jumping and I can't jump that high, so I don't think I'm gonna clear it. And also, who knows? What if they just start beating the shit out of me? So I'm not going to take a big leap because 
choosing Manscaped is not a big leap. I want you to get the Performance Package 4.0. Inside, you'll find the Signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. The advanced skin-safe technology, they reduce cuts and nicks on your delicate nuts. It also comes equipped with the 4000K LED spotlight. This package is going to change the way you approach prepping your field before the big game or i mean a big night because especially if you're if you're playing during prime time what i want you to do is get 20 percent off and free shipping with code giants at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com use code giants get the performance package 4.0 get the body wash that is infused with some cologne why play the wild card game when you can take the safety out of a first round buy with manscaped great job with the football punts i have to say awesome all right, so we did our top four. We got to go quicker through these guys. Who do you want to talk about next? I want to talk about Adrian Wilson. Bam, hit me with him. Well, I got to hit you with the basic info. Yes, Vice please. President of Pro Scouting for the Cardinals, 42 years old. Uh, obviously played in the NFL. <clears throat> Regional scout from 2015 to 2018. Director of Pro Scouting 2019 to 20. And now he's been the Vice President of Pro Scouting uh, since last year. There's excitement around him. They're, He's they're so really inexperienced, is. though. Define inexperienced. Five years of doing, six years of doing this. John Lynch was not. John and Lynch. That's was why like, Adam Peters was running the show. Who are we? Are we getting? Are we bringing Adam Peters to be his assistant GM? No, but my my point is is that Adrian. Well, that's why he's number five on my list behind polls. But he excites me, and I do think he can be a John Lynch type of type of guy i really do um he has worked his way up from the bottom he did the the grind work of his first year working as a scout uh he was driving players who were making trips and he was driving players to the airport and workouts and and everything like that his his nickname is a dub if you care about that um he really has started from the bottom and i wonder what that means now he's here Um, he entices me he has very little experience, and I'm really not the biggest fan of the way the Cardinals have went. Like, they're a good team right now, but a lot of it has been off of free agency, trading for players. They screwed up. The, as much as it was a it was a smart decision to admit their mistake, the Josh Rosen pick was horrible. It's a horrible pick. They screwed that up badly. Um, and they, they screwed up the trade market for him, too. It's just inexperience, man. That's, that's what worries me about Adrian Wilson. Yeah, he, he is. Absolutely. But he is a guy that does excite me, and I could see him being a GM sooner rather than later. Yeah, okay. We'll see. Next on my list, Ryan Cowden, Vice President of Player Personnel for the Titans. I didn't expect this guy to kind of like excite me a little bit, but I think he could be like a sleeper for this. And and he's been with uh you know with uh with the Panthers and the Titans. He was a scouting assistant with the Panthers in 2000. Moved up, was an area scout from 01 to 07. National scout from 2008 to 2012. Then was a national senior scout from 2012 to 14. Then went to uh, Titans was the 2016 to 17 pl- director of player personnel, and then he became VP of player personnel. Man, look at the way the Titans value the offensive line. And in that time that he's been like the right hand man for the Titans uh, GM, Derrick Henry. Kevin Baird, Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, AJ Brown. They've had some hits in the freaking draft. Some like some I mean they're the number one seed in the AFC right now and they're and they're battling with injuries. They're the most injured team in the in the National Football League. I think they've had like 
what 88 games missed by some of their top guys. Like it's the it's crazy, and they've they got been their able to adjust. Quarterback for a fourth round pick, um, which that was play. a steal. I mean, no matter what you think about Ryan Tannehill, I mean the fact that they have been able to turn around their franchise with Ryan Tannehill and another and another franchise that does work to the strengths of of their quarterback. I mean that's phenomenal, phenomenal. And the Titans are another team that's not just so scheme based in what they do. Like yeah, they, they like to run the wide zone, but they run the wide zone because it's because they have the personnel to fit it, not because they have Kyle Shanahan as their offensive coordinator. The only thing that worries me, this is with both Titans guys, except uh, Monty Austin Ford hasn't been with the Titans that long. The defenses over the last few years, especially in 2020, 2020 their defense was really bad. They have not had top tier defenses. It's been their it's been their offenses. Their defenses have kind of capped at, capped at average, and then 2020, it was really, really bad. And that 2020 offense for the Titans was really, really good, and their defense was really, really bad. So that's the thing that gives me a little bit of pause. Um, and the drafts haven't wowed me the last couple of years. Yeah, they had to have some whiffs in the draft too, like some Isaiah bad, like, Wilson. Yeah. Even this past year, they traded up for Des Fitzpatrick. Remember I had Des Fitzpatrick in my mock draft in the sixth round? Hmm. They traded up to pick him in the fourth round and then cut him on the 53-man cutdown day. Yeah, so I, I'm not thrilled. Now, this is recently. They did get Monty Rice, though, and I love Monty Rice. Monty, yeah, Monty Rice is fun. But recently, I haven't liked what the Titans have done. But, I mean, historic, before that, in the foundation of the roster is there, and that's what they got going right now for them. So, Well, that's why these guys are in the bottom half of our uh, of our show. All right, who do you want to hit next? Um... Why don't you just stay on Titans and go Monty since we're talking about the – we should have just yes. been Titans, Titans, Cardinals, Cardinals. Let's hear that up. Um, now, talk about not being a lot of information on the guy. Director of player personnel for the Titans. Was with the Patriots. Um, you know, director of college scouting uh, from 2015 to 20 after nine years of working up as a scout, which is – I don't even – like all these other guys who have regional scouts. Like, if we just get nine years of working up as a scout. Um. Very involved in the draft. If you go watch some of the like the Do Your Job series on the Patriots, like very involved in the draft and undrafted free agents. And they've done really – the Patriots have done really good. And I know Dante Skarniecki has their O-line coach, and I guess he turns everyone to, to become an amazing player. But players got to be good too. Um, and and not the first round. They've gotten Michael Nwenu, Shaq Mason, Joe Thune, Ted Karras. they got David Andrews at UDFA. Um, like he seems to just love the process of the grind, drafts one through seven undrafted guys and then i think he did like try and go to the titans i'm guessing to like get away from bill and be like all right let me spread my wings and show what i'm yep. able to do and that's someone who's a go-getter uh and valuable now here's my last bullet point on him doesn't matter anymore but him and joe judge work tight those they guys were tight that was in my notes because i i wrote my kind of notes on austin fort before judge was fired and i put him in bold because i thought that he would be like the favorite if Judge was kept, I'm like, Austin Ford's going to be the guy. If Joe Judge had a really good season, I think Monty Austin Ford would have been the guy. Or Kevin Abrams, which would have been uh, a disaster. Mm. So. I right, got two other guys. Let's do Quentin Harris, because I think he's a lot more uh, qualified than the other guy. Quentin yeah. Harris, the VP of player. I like him more than I like Adrian Wilson of the Cardinals, by the way. Adrian Wilson's more fun, because he has a fun personality. I think people like him more. Based off of what I've heard in some interviews, it's he he is a technically a higher position, and he's listed one page before um, Quentin Harris's on the media guide than Adrian Wilson. But he sh Wilson's just more fun. 
Well, I'm trying to win games, not have fun. Quentin Harrison, <laughs> or Harrison, Harris, vice uh, uh, vice president of player personnel for the Cardinals, 44 years old. Played in the NFL for you know a few years uh, with the Cardinals. He was with the Giants in the offseason, the Broncos. Started with the Cardinals 2008 to 09 with the Pro Scout. Then went to Assistant Pro Direct uh, Personnel Director from 2010 to 12. Director of Pro Scouting from 2013 to 18. Director of Player Personnel from 2019 to 20. Oversees things. He works hands in hand with Steve Kime and the Cardinals. And again, I don't love the Cardinals organization. If if maybe he had this kind of a uh, you know reputation with uh with another team, I might be a little higher on him. Oversees things. Uh, Again, it, but he's done a lot of pro scout. Like he's not like a college scout guy. He's dealt with the pro side of things, which is a little worrisome because you want to build through the draft. But I've also, and I've heard people say, and I agree with this, sometimes the pro scouts sometimes have a better eye for the college because they watching the pro guys and like this is what translates to the NFL and, and becomes a yes. pro player. So that's where, um, you know, it, it would excite me a little bit. It's like, okay, maybe we're getting the pro personnel guy. That's why we're hiring this guy. At the end of the day, it's just, I said it with, um, with Adrian Wilson. DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green, JJ Watt, Chandler Jones, Zach Ertz, the Rose and Kyler situation. Like those, those are like free agent, you know, I just threw the Rose and Kyler situation there, but like those are like free agent trade additions, you know. Um, Cliff Kingsbury is a really good, uh, you know, play caller. I just don't, I'm not in love with the way the Cardinals have built their team, even though they're good right now. I just hey, don't. Well, but if this guy is responsible for the pro side of things, and I mean, that's I mean, fair. It, does it? Does it? I mean, at the same time, does it take a really good talent evaluator to say that DeAndre Hopkins and JJ Watt and these guys would fit on our team because they could fit on almost any team? Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> um, but it, it, he's I like him. I like him more than I like Adrian Wilson. All right, and the last one, this guy, uh, he just doesn't seem to he doesn't seem to stick anywhere. Rand Carthon, director of pro personnel, son of a uh, two-time Super Bowl f- uh, fullback. Maurice Carthon uh, for the New York Giants. Mm. 40 years old. Falcons pro scout from 2008 to 2011. Rams director of player personnel from 2012 to 16. And then what's been the 49ers uh, director of pro personnel since 2017 to now. He's below Adam Peters. Doesn't you know, He hasn't stuck around with anybody. Uh, I, I just, there's nothing inspiring about him yeah. to me. He's 40 years old. Pretty much the only candidate where I'm going to say... He needs more time. Uh, that's this is the only candidate that I'm going to say he he needs more time. And this is the one guy where if the Giants do hire him, I, I'd be like, eh, you know, I think you interviewed eight more guys that were more qualified than this guy. I mean, it's not that against him, but number one, not a lot of information. Number two, he's listed under Adam Peters on the website, and number three, he just needs more time, more experience, doing some stuff. So there you go. All right, that's an episode. Let us know your list. How about that? Give us yeah, your, leave a, your list. Leave a comment. Leave the comments on the YouTube. We can yeah. that can happen. Yeah, leave 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 your list. Tweet a list. Reply to the podcast. Uh, you know, new episode tweet with your list too. Uh, anything else we want to hit on before we roll out of here? No. Um, I have a scheduling as programming question. Because the new GM won't be hired to probably like Tuesday or Wednesday. Do you want to maybe record on Sunday? And do our end of year awards show? Do we want to rush that? Well, we're not. We're not going to be rushing. I mean, you think about this next month. This, oh yeah, this month we got a head a coach. coaching search. Um, I was thinking maybe we do our end of season awards, and maybe like, what's a position review we can get in real quick? Safeties, maybe. 
Um, let me get quarterback in really quick. We'll talk yeah. about Daniel Jones, and then that's it because we uh, don't want to talk about. Yeah, but else. that's going to take a, that that that's a that's a special episode for like March when you know or end of February when nothing's going on. Like, hey, here's our review of the QB. Position reviews are not going to be as fun as they were last year. I'll just say linebacker that. positional like inside. In, do we do we separate inside and outside linebacker? Yeah, yeah. All we right, do. then I think interior linebacker is the quickest review to be honest because that's Reggie Ragland, um, Jalen Smith, Jaylen and Tay Crowder. Yeah. All right. So that's what we'll plan on. Um, now there is playoff games on Sunday. Not at like night though. It, I think the last game what at, at four. No, there's three games. Also. Maybe you maybe want to record it on Friday. We can we'll do see. that. We'll, we'll see. see. And th- that's an episode that is everlasting, so we can throw it out somewhere else, anywhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be doing John Boy Media stuff tomorrow, so we'll have to see. We'll f- we'll figure something out, but it's an easier episode. You know, it doesn't take a ton of uh, prep, and it's uh, if we gotta record because I just don't want to record on Tuesday and then the GM be announced on Wednesday. I'd rather just put something out Monday. And then when something happens, happens. So, are we gonna do funny awards, or are we just doing like conventional awards? Can I like make up awards? I I think we should stick to conventional awards. Oh, okay. Like, what would be a funny one? I don't know. I have to think of it. I just feel like anytime you try to do that stuff, it's it's just not as funny as you think of it in your head. Take for example, the 2000 NFC Championship game. The Greg Camello Award went to Kyle Juszczyk. That's funny. See, we just do Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, uh, Most Improved, Most Underrated, Most Underwhelming. I think those were the ones that we did last year. I gave Ron Dane the biggest goofball award. How about that? All right, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back. I mean, you can from what you just heard, we don't know when we're going to be back, but we do appreciate you guys. We'll see you. Enjoy your weekend. Until then, let's go Big Blue.